Thanks for being with us. Welcome in. It is a special edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. We're leading you into Pirate Baseball coverage coming up in a little less than 45 minutes. We'll have ECU and UNCW tonight here on 94.3 The Game. Great P-Man here with you, Philip the Ref Pilkington producing. We've got uh, Brian Mull talking some college hoops. We'll preview the first four games. Coming up, uh, and Kim McNeil here in a matter of moments. Looking forward to uh, catching up with the coach of the NCAA tournament-bound ECU women's basketball uh, team. No show tomorrow because of uh, baseball being moved up to 5 o'clock. ECU will be back at home tomorrow against William, and Mary will be back Thursday with a fresh uh, program. Uh, Check our social media for all the updates going on around the world of sports as uh, we have a lot of hot action uh, going on uh, prior to the NCAA tournament, tipping tonight with the first four, but also with uh, what is happening uh, with all these players putting their name into the transfer portal. But we'll get to all of uh, that in due time. As promised, uh, she is the coach of the hour in Pirate Nation. It's Kim McNeil joining us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show, ECU getting ready to head to Texas to take on the Longhorns. Coach, congratulations on the conference tournament championship. I think it's great that we've got a team that's going to be in the American that won the American. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it was a, a great week last week. You know, the girls went down and, and played some really good basketball, You know, played, had some clutch plays down the stretch, and yeah, we're bringing Pirate Nation home uh, a conference championship. Pretty good stuff. Uh, look, I, I think beginning of the year, Coach, when everybody uh, had picked uh, both programs to finish 11th, the men and the women respectively, I thought there's no way this is going to happen uh, because I thought there was you know youth, but a lot of talented youth, particularly on your roster. Uh, you know, I I, I, I didn't want to harp on it. I know you probably mentioned it, but didn't harp on it. I don't know. Did you? I, that was I found that to be kind of an insult to your team because you had so much young talent coming in. Granted, at the time, unproven, but talent. Yeah, Patrick, I would agree with you. It was you know, definitely a hard pill to swallow. Uh, I definitely did not think we were last. Um, anticipated a little bit, you know, with losing, you know, Tania Thompson, mm-hmm. who was mm-hmm. mainly our scorer from the year before, but I knew what we had coming in. Um, I knew, you know, the kids I had coming off the transfer portal and my freshmen. Um, I knew people hadn't seen the best of Danae McNeil. So I, I knew that we would be better than what was predicted. And I always say it doesn't matter how you start. It's all about how you finish. Well, that championship game was certainly the personification of that <laughs> as well, right? Definitely. definitely. I was like, oh, my God, two points. Did we really just score two points <laughs> in a quarter? But, you know, they only scored 11. You know, so it wasn't like, you know, we were completely blowed out or – the game was completely over. And that's what we kept just telling the, the kids. Just just keep defending, keep rebounding. The ball will start falling. Uh, the American Athletic Conference Coach of the Year, Kim McNeil, with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. When you look back at the tournament run, uh, the thing that has been real impressive to me is you had some other people outside of McNeil and Joyner step up for you. Yeah, that was huge. You know, playing three games in three days, that's a lot. You know, it, it, it's a lot on you physically. It's a lot on you mentally. And I think in each one of those games, you know, we can name, you know, people that stepped up. I, you know, I think in the two-lane game, Morgan Mosley had a really good game. 
You know, I think in the um, in the Memphis game, you know, Micah Dennis, you know, played very well. And then you look at, you know, the championship game in Houston, um, Alexia Rose came off the bench, gave us really good minutes, and then Isis Adams came to get, gave us some big rebounds. So it, it was a collective effort. And then Samia Johnson, you know, she was just solid all week. She just played so hard, defended, you know, got downhill, you know, just made some really um, tough winning plays for us in, in each one of those games. And in order to win a tournament, to play three games back-to-back like that, you need to be able to have some kids coming off the bench to give you good minutes, and I thought we had that. You're going to obviously be asked a lot about this team uh, from media the next several uh, days, uh, especially as, you know, they prep to to display the program on national television. So what what would you say about this group, you know, collectively? Obviously champions, but what about them has impressed you the most? I just think their resiliency. I mean, we're we're pretty hard on them in practice. you know, we don't really take, you know, practices off, meaning that if we're going to get out on the floor, we're going to go hard. Um, you know, we don't really believe in doing a lot of walkthroughs and stuff like that. Now, we may cut the time down, but if we're going to go an hour, we're going to go an hour hard. And, you know, even though we still have some growing to do, you know, in that area of, of being consistent and bringing it every day in practice, I felt like they responded. They responded when it was time to go. Um, and they never got down on themselves. You know, people counted them out. You know, early in the season, they always believed in themselves, especially after we played that SMU game and took them to overtime, which mm-hmm. we should have won. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of belief, a lot of belief in, in themselves, a lot of belief in, them, in their teammates, and a lot of belief in this coaching staff. Coach Kim McNeil is with us here. It's ECU and Texas. The game will air uh, nationally uh, on ESPN, and it'll be a uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Greenville time. Uh tip-off on Saturday as the uh, Pirates take on the uh, Longhorns of uh, Texas. The Pirates uh, earning the number 13 seed, and uh, the uh, Longhorns will be the number four seed uh, playing uh, host. I, I want to ask you about your defense. Uh, obviously, you're, you're forcing the most turnovers in college basketball on the women's side. Still, I, I believe that still holds up after the tournament or through the tournament, and uh, the opponents are barely getting over 50 points per ball game. Uh, Defensively, that and rebounding are the things that you got to pack and take with you this time of year, aren't they, Coach? Definitely. You know, defense and rebounding travels, and we're definitely going to have to have our A game on Saturday against Texas. Um, if we want to come out, you know, with the victory when it went from that aspect, especially rebounding, I mean, they're huge. They keep throwing six threes, six fours after you, and you know they lead the Big Twelve in offensive rebounding. So mm-hmm. we've got to be everybody. It's got to be a collective effort. It can't just be a Maya Joyner getting thirteen, fourteen rebounds. You know everybody has to participate in boxing out and, and rebounding and running down rebounds. You know winning, winning the uh, toughness plays. You know we we got to be first to the ball, and you know we we've got to make the game really ugly um, if we want to win this game. Texas two. Uh... Just a quick study of them has shown they they look like a team with a lot of balance. Uh, they they have you know kind of contributions from up and down their main rotation. They do. I think they got what four people in double figures for them. Um, they that comes from post. That comes from guards. I think their post players do a really good job of posting, stealing, and offensive rebounding. And I think their guards. They got a couple of guards that can shoot the three. They got a point guard that's extremely fast and can get downhill and defend you really, really well. So they do. They have a very well-balanced attack. 
Um, they're defensive minded too, you know, in a different way. You know, they're going to play mostly man to man, which is very similar to Houston. So we've seen mm-hmm. that type of um, mm-hmm. pressure. And, um, you know, so we'll go into that being used to that. But, you know, they're a Big 12 team. They're a top 15 team in the country for a reason. Um, and, and they just have a real well balanced attack. You all have had uh, been able to take advantage of athleticism and quickness, I think, on both ends of the floor this season. So uh, you, you mentioned Texas is big. They're athletic too, but could there be an edge maybe as far as uh, just some of the athleticism? I, I know they'll be able to match it, but I'm just looking for areas that uh, the Pirates have been successful in, and can that be replicated starting Saturday? Yeah, I think our defense is hard to, to prepare for. You know, um, just with our matchup and just how aggressive we are in it, you know, trapping in the corners and, you know, really looking to uh, get deflections and get steals. You know, a lot of people will try to get their practice team to do it, but they don't know the ins and outs of it and the different, you know, strategies that goes within the defense. So I think that's to our advantage. And a lot of times people that just see it for the first time, you know, when there's a lot of new, when there's new coaches in the league, you know, they struggle going against it the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that will be in our advantage that, you know, Texas has not seen our defense before. Where, where does that philosophy come from? How did you, the defense, I mean, who were the, who are the roots of this defense that you learned, you know, bits and pieces or the whole thing from? Yeah. Well, coach Corey, you know, when we started, uh, you know, everybody knows the story, you know, of us and, and how we met and how we, you know, he was at Georgetown <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was at Georgia as assistant coaches. And then um, they were very successful at Georgetown. That was when the Big East was the Big East. And it was, what, 16 teams with, mm-hmm. you know, UConn, Notre Dame, Louisville, Pitt, you know, all those teams. And they were very successful. And that's the defense that they ran. So when him and I started coaching together at the University of Virginia, um, we implemented it at at Virginia, and it was successful for us. And and I, I liked it. Like I, I like, you know, really, it's really good when you can go make or miss. You know, if you make, you press. When you miss, you go man. Um, and, and so we had done that in the past here at ECU, but decided this year we were going to press less mm-hmm. and really, really get our matchup good. Like we spend tons of time on that matchup in practice. And so we pretty get, pretty much go, you know, make miss in our matchup. And, and so it's gotten really, really good for it. I think this year is the best it's been for us because we've really just said, hey, let's let's not be good at a lot of things. Let's be great at mm-hmm. one or two things. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's really been good for us. But, you know, Coach Corey, you know, he, he really is a catalyst behind it. Um, and, and I have learned a lot throughout the years. Um, so him and I, you know, are, are the ones behind it, but he's really the catalyst behind it. Uh, you have played in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you were telling me before we went on here, Radford as a freshman, and you guys, you got Tennessee when Tennessee was Tennessee. So uh, what what do you remember about that whole experience as a player? Oh, my goodness. Um, my freshman year at Radford, um, we won our conference championship, you know, just as we did here at ECU. And I'll never forget where we had our – you know, selection show party. I never forget who I was sitting beside, and <laughs> our name gets <laughs> our name gets called. We were 16 seed. Our name gets called up there, and then we re- we're going crazy, and then we realize we're playing Tennessee. We're like, oh crap, because <laughs> 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 um, they 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 were really really good that year. I was like, they went on to win the national championship that year, but um, it, it was at Tennessee as well. But it was an unbelievable experience. Um, you know, I remember we were only down by 11 at halftime. 
So we come in the locker room, we're like, yeah, we can beat them. They're not as good. We're only down by 11. And then we come out and they blow us out the second half. I think they <laughs> end up losing by, by 20 plus. Right. Um, but it, it's in, it, actually uh, Kelly Harper, um, who's the head coach at Tennessee now, was the, the point guard on that team. Um, she was a freshman. And, and, and so it's just, you know, I tell the girls all the time, these are just memories that you are never going to forget. You're not, you're never going to forget that last shot that Houston threw up for us to win the game. You're never going to forget, you know, our name being called on, on Sunday. Um, these are just memories that they're making that they're going to be able to share with their families and, when they're in, and with their kids as they get older. What's the schedule for the rest of the week for the uh, team coach? Yeah, so we, um, we practice yesterday, we practice today, we practice Wednesday. We're going to leave Thursday. Don't know what time yet because obviously NCAA um, controls all of this from here on out. We're going to take Thursday off, use it as a travel day, and then we'll practice Friday and then wait around all day and play late <laughs> Saturday night. <laughs> the West Coast start time uh, for, for the Pirates yeah. on Saturday. Uh, what was the coolest call or text you got? Oh, my goodness. I got so many, Patrick. When I got back to the locker room on Thursday night, I had over a hundred text messages. Right um, now, you could have said I mine. Had, you could have said mine, but that's okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah that's. It's, it's so it was so many. You know, I, I tell you, I got a lot of text messages, and a lot of emails, but the ones that really stick out to me, Patrick, are the ones that just really talk about my team as young women. Yeah, you know, not just about the success that we have shown this year on the court, but just who they are as young women. You know, talking about, you know, how they carry themselves, how articulate they are, how polite they are, how they're role models. Like, those are the ones that stick out to me because that's what's most important to me. You know, that tells me we're recruiting the right way, not only on the court, but off the court. You know, because I talk to my team all the time. And from the first moment I, you know, stepped on campus in our first team meeting, I told them, you know, that I wanted to be and that we wanted to be the team on campus that everybody looked up to from every aspect, from what we're doing in the classroom to what we're doing in the community and what we're doing on the court. And we're definitely going in that, in that direction. And that's just not lip service, is it, Coach Kim? I mean, it no. really is. You, you all live that. We do. We do. I mean, we, we're constantly in the community, um, at, at schools, you know, doing different things, you know, at our games, bringing – the Pitt County community to the games, the kids to the games. You know, we're always at the hospital. You know, we're at food banks. Um, we're, we're doing diabetes awareness mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that is, is truly, truly important to me because, you know, we're, we're blessed. You know, ECU is really good to us. Pirate Nation is really good to us. Um, so we want to make sure that we show our appreciation and give back and do whatever we have to do to help this community be great. What will be the things that you're really going to emphasize for your team as you head into Texas? We got to stay focused. You know, we got to, it's going to be a lot of, of lights and cameras and people, you know, wanting to take pictures and wanting to get interviews and stuff. We got to stay, I want them to take in the experience, but I also want them to understand like we didn't just accept the invitation. We just didn't accept the ticket to the party. We want to go to the party party and, and make some noise. Um, and that's what we talked about yesterday, you know, really going out and, ha- and representing, you know, Pirate Nation and ECU Athletics the right way and going down there and trying to win a game. Hey, Coach, congratulations. What a year, and let's keep it rolling against the uh, horns and uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. I appreciate it, and go Pirates. It's a 45-minute edition of the show today. We're leading you into ECU baseball this evening at UNCW.
Who might you pick in the first four tonight if you're so inclined for whatever reason? We'll look at it next. Brian Mall talking hoops with us. Uh, wanted to get him on on this day where we have the first four jumping off. Brian Mall uh, writing uh, all about college basketball, doing a lot of research about college basketball in the postseason right now for various outlets, various and sundry uh, uh, things that he is uh, he's an employee of. So uh, anyway, Brian is with us here at BG Mole on Twitter. Great follow during the tournament. Follow him there. Hello, Brian. Hello, Patrick. I am, uh, you know, kind of stoked about the first four tonight. Uh, give me a uh, give me a rundown of uh, we got Southeast Missouri State and Texas A and M Corpus Christi, and then I think Pitt Mississippi State could be a fun game. Yeah, two two interesting matchups. Of course, uh, two teams on the sixteen line there fighting for the right to play Alabama, which. Uh, you know, is what it is uh, in Birmingham. But um, needless to say, uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi back in the tournament for the second year in a row, unfortunately lost their point guard senior first team all-league uh, early in the championship game of the Southland, but were able to overcome that. Southeast Missouri State out of Ohio Valley Conference, a little bit more of a surprise. They were a little bit more of a middling team in their league through the year. And, uh, you know, I think Corpus Christi will, despite losing their best player, I, I just think their experience of having played there, been in the bright lights, having pretty much everybody back from that team, I think that'll be to their advantage. But that should be a, uh, you know, if, they, if those teams stay true to form, that should be an up, up-tempo, high-scoring game. Good, good. How about Pitt, uh, Mississippi State? Pitt, Mississippi State could be the opposite. It could be a, <laughs> a tracker pull, <laughs> if, if you will. Uh, Mississippi State is the worst three-point shooting team, not only in the tournament, but in the country mm. this year, uh, hitting about 26%. They do have an excellent big man, Tolu Smith, uh, and they, you know, they're pretty athletic. They like to pound the ball inside, and, and they're a very good defensive team. Chris Jans um, has just not shown me much over the last three weeks or so of the season, uh, humiliated by Duke in the ACC tournament. And I think as good a season as the Panthers have had, I think this is a tough matchup just because points are going to be very difficult to come by. Um, they're going to have to be able to open up yeah. the defense and hit a few shots. Uh, tomorrow, since there's no show, I uh, want to get you on the record for tomorrow's second first four in Dayton. Fairly Dickinson and Texas Southern in the 16 v. 16 showdown. And then the fighting Bobby Hurleys of Arizona State against Nevada in the 11th seed clash. Nevada, of course, had that great run a few years ago. Uh, give us a, a primer on that uh, for tomorrow night, if you don't mind. Yeah, Fairleigh Dickinson has been here a couple of times in the last decade, but uh, after uh, parting ways with their former coach, uh, Tobin Anderson came in, a longtime D2 coach, and really got that thing going uh, early. Uh, they, they were able to, to escape the Northeast Conference tournament. Um, winning in thrilling fashion uh, over Merrimack there in the in the finals, and, th- and they run up against the Texas Southern squad, who, regardless of how they play in the SWAC in the regular season, Texas Southern has figured out how to win the conference tournament. It's amazing this year they, you know, they had a ton of injuries, finished eighth in the regular season in the in the SWAC, and promptly knock off the number one seed in the quarterfinals and just keep rolling through. 
the tournament there uh, to get back into the play-in game for the or the first four game for the third consecutive season. You know, they won it last year. Johnny Jones has experience, former LSU coach. These guys know what to do. Uh, I would give them the edge in that one as well, just uh, based yeah. on the fact that they've been to Dayton before. That former uh, coach, uh, one-time ECU assistant, Greg Horenda, who actually led them, Fairleigh Dickinson, to a uh, a first four game once once upon a couple, a yeah, they've yeah. tournament couple tournament appearances under yep. Greg. Yep. And then Bobby Hurley was on the uh, hot seat. I guess he might still be. Who knows? But uh, Bobby Hurley, Arizona State, Nevada. What's going on in this one? Well, I mean, you think about Arizona State. They make a fifty footer to beat Arizona. They've kind of played well since then, haven't they, Brian? And that really turned their season around. I mean, if not for that shot and that moment, which was certainly unexpected, um, you know, no real shame in in losing to UCLA down the stretch and uh, just kind of snuck in there. Uh, Obviously, teams on this line uh, are always wondering up until the very last minute whether they're going to get in. And Nevada, not many people expected – you know, even though the Mountain West was strong this year, they, they really crumbled down the stretch, losing their last two regular season games and then falling to San Jose State in the quarterfinals of their conference tournament. A lot of people thought their fate was sealed. But uh, give Steve Alford credit. I believe this is the fifth different program he has taken to the NCAA tournament. Um, former Indiana Great yeah, in his fourth yeah. year uh-huh. at Nevada um, has uh, – you know, just found a way to get it done wherever he's been. Um, but I, I like Hurley's squad, you know, Pac-12 talent here. The Mountain West, just for all you folks looking maybe for a little insight on your bracket, don't get too carried away with the Mountain West. They have performed very poorly in the tournament over the last five years. Mm. Um, and they got four teams in this year, and they they all deserved it. But uh, just when it comes to the matchups in the tournament, they have, they have struggled, I think, because they don't have the superior backcourt play. My hope is to get you on the radio Thursday, but I know you'll be busy. So are there any first-round games Thursday or Friday that, uh, let's just say, if uh, someone were interested in the result for whatever reason, maybe they're a fan. Maybe they've adopted a team because that's who they picked in their office pool bracket. Maybe there are other reasons. Brian, I don't know. I'm not here to judge those other reasons. But uh, give us a few key matchups in the first round Thursday, Friday, to keep an eye on in your estimation, sir? Well, I think a Thursday afternoon game in Orlando, I think at 3 o'clock, is going to be a very popular upset, 12-5, and that's Charleston over San Diego State. But I would be I would be careful there. Now, what Charleston has in its advantage is San Diego State has historically not traveled to the East Coast very well, and it's always a diff- the most difficult trip to make in sports from the West Coast to the East Coast. But – I just think this is a bad matchup for Charleston. I mean, San Diego State was the class of the Mountain West. They've gone toe-to-toe with some heavyweights, made the finals in Maui earlier this year. And I just think their their size and physicality and ability to control the pace in the game there is going to make it very difficult on Charleston. So um, I would certainly think that Aztecs could, could win and win comfortably there. Um, a, another, another game that – Bears watching is uh, on Friday is Miami versus Drake. Uh, of course, the status of Amir, the, the center for Miami, is key there. I, I think if he's healthy and if he can go, uh, Miami's got the type of team that can make a very deep run again. We're talking with uh, Brian Mull, college basketball and uh, golf scribe. We've got uh, 
Houston in there is a number one seed. They are fighting a little adversity right now. It's been a tough time for Kelvin Sampson. It's been a tough time, obviously, with Marcus Sasser. Uh, all's kind of quiet last check on the Sasser front. So, uh, look, if, if Sasser's not available, they probably navigate the first round, maybe the second. Kelvin's hopping mad about potentially having to play Auburn in the second round in Birmingham, and yeah, I can't blame no, him. No, I don't blame him either. I don't think they're going to get – Auburn's going to get there. I mean, may, but I, I just I don't think they can keep up with Iowa from a production standpoint offensively. So, uh, but but I, I look his points well taken. So uh, how do you see Houston with the with the huge asterisk asterisk that it's it's got to depend on Sasser's health, doesn't it? One hundred percent. If he's healthy and he's the Marcus Sasser we've all seen night in and night out over the last couple of years. Houston is a legitimate national title contender, and I would expect them to emerge from that region and make the Final Four. However, if he's not, if he's anything less than 100%, let's be honest. I mean, as well as this team defends and rebounds, like the points can can be difficult. Especially, well, I mean, they, they I mean, even go through lulls with Sasser out there. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and, and when you look kind of at Texas in the bottom half, potentially in an Elite Eight game, if you know if they're fortunate enough to get that far, I, I just wouldn't think they would have the firepower. So they really need him healthy. Um, if not, it, it just would be a disappointing injury uh, to happen so late in the season for a team that certainly has been uh, one of the shortlist national title contenders all year. I would love to see them get to – the final four again for Kelvin Sampson, who I like a lot, have a lot of respect for, but because it's in Houston, I think that'd be a good thing for that program. Uh, I think also from the units, I'm always thinking that this time of year, if you're a fan of uh, any school in the American, you need to be rooting your ass off for Houston and Memphis because that money is good for the for your favorite American team. Uh, speaking of Memphis, <clears throat> uh, FAU Brian is who they will have in an eight nine matchup. Can Memphis get by FAU? Who's really look? It's a future. It's a future American. It's a preview of a future American conference matchup. Uh, can how, well? How do you see this game? Because FAU's senior laden and very good. Yeah, FAU making a statement this year that they are ready and, and more than ready to to make that step up and join the American. I mean, what a season! Dusty May thirty one and three. Um, you know, dropped a couple of games in conference on the road, which is going to happen, but then just a super impressive run through the tournament. I think this is maybe the most interesting matchup on the board in the first round of the tournament. Um, I think it's a coin flip all the way down. The odds makers agree. Uh, Florida Atlantic has just – they just don't have any weaknesses statistically. They defend the interior. They rebound at a high level, and they can really shoot the basketball. And like you said, they're super experienced. These guys have, have been there. They've been together. Um, they, they've, they've kind of had a steady progression under May and gotten a little bit better each year. And, I, I mean, just uh, they're tremendous. But at the same time, Memphis's athleticism is, and, and having a guard like Kendrick Davis is, is going to be uh, something unlike they've seen in Conference USA as well. So that, that should be a fantastic game. And I think either of those teams, but specifically Memphis, have a very good chance to knock off Purdue in the round of 32. I'm just not sold on Purdue's backcourt. And as we've said on this show and many other places, many times, it, that's what it comes down to this time of the year. And uh, I, I'm just not sure if those freshmen are uh, 
can it could handle the pressure of Memphis or, right. or are strong enough to to lead that program to the final four. Brian Mull, uh, college basketball writer, follow him on Twitter at BG Mull. All right, I want to ask you about the portal, Brian. I mean, we're talking three to four hundred already in. It is the name of uh, whether you like it or not. You can bemoan a lot of things about modern college athletics, but this is where we are right now, right? You have to embrace it if you're a coach. You and, better you know, embrace it if you're a coach. I heard a few coaches from middling teams or teams that maybe didn't have great seasons make these comments towards the end of the year saying, if we can just bring everybody back, and I just want to say, you're, you're not being realistic. Um, and, and we've seen that. And even on some top teams as well. And certainly uh, guys looking to move up a, lo- a level or guys looking for more opportunity. I mean, look, it's kind of – what I don't like is that the portal coincides with one of the best weeks of the year. So we've got one yeah. eye on the portal. We've got one eye on the portal and one eye on the teams who've earned their right into this tournament, and which is where our focus probably should be. But it's real. It's roster management. These coaches, um, most staffs now are assigning one person year-round yep. to yep. monitor the portal, and they already have a list. They probably had a good inclination uh, of guys who were going to leave for one reason or another. There's certain guys, I'm sure, uh, you know, who are encouraged to uh, seek opportunities elsewhere because they're not going to receive the playing time that they would hope. And it's just a matter of making sure year to year that you have the best team that you can put on the court. You've got to do all your due diligence with, with background and character, make sure it's the type of guys that you want in your program. And, uh, you know, talk to high school coaches, AAU coaches, teammates, anyone you can watch video. There's plenty of that out there. And then you just have to try to put together a roster that doesn't have any holes. I mean, I think that's what we're seeing. While we have so many strong mid-majors in this year's tournament is because these teams were able to go out through the portal and fill a hole, whether it was another big man or a point guard or a three-point shooter. And I think that's just the way you look. It's free agency. You can call it what you will. But um, if you're not if you're not maximizing it and enhancing your roster to the fullest degree, then you're going to be left behind. All right, really quick here, and we're, we're a little tight on time, but uh... – Two openings in the American so far, Wichita State and Temple. Uh, what Are you hearing anything on any of these jobs? I, I think Wichita State's going to aim very high with a lot of money Okay, is what I'm hearing. And, and that would mean uh, to me some sitting head coaches, yeah. potentially from uh, maybe even conferences that are generally ranked higher than the American. But the folks in Wichita are fed up. They got spoiled. They got used to winning 25 to 30 games and having a high seed in the NCAA tournament under Greg Marshall. That has certainly not been the case the last few years. They've been very mediocre, and I think they're going to going to find somebody. I wouldn't be surprised if they, they pursue Steve Forbes at Wake Forest, who has a history there. I wouldn't be surprised if they pursued Chris Jans at Mississippi State, who has a history there. Um, I have no idea what either if either of them would be interested whatsoever. But I think that's the type of name they're hoping to bring in there. Yeah. Uh, Temple's interesting. I, I heard from a decent source that UNC Wilmington's Takeo Siddle wow. could could be uh, at least on a on a deep list there of, of candidates that they're interested in. Uh, it just wasn't working out with Aaron McKee. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a weird NCAA tournament when you don't have any of the Philadelphia teams playing. Yeah, no big five teams in. Hey, Brian, uh, we'll maybe try to get up with you later in the week, but uh, enjoy the games tonight and uh, the next couple of days. Yeah, same same to everybody else. We'll talk soon. Back to wrap it up right after this.
Because Pirate Baseball was moved up Wednesday against William & Mary to 5 p.m. No show tomorrow, so ECU baseball coverage at 4.45 tomorrow here on 94.3 The Game. We're about to send you to Brooks Field for the matchup between the Pirates and Seahawks in Wilmy World with uh, Scott Scooter Rogers and Dr. Gary Overton, the coach, standing by to bring you coverage. Philip the Ref Pilkey, then big thanks to him today, also to Coach Kim McNeil and our pal Brian Mole. Back on Talk of the Town in the morning, back here on the Patrick Johnson Show with you Thursday at 5. Looking forward to it. Have a great rest of your evening. Stay warm!